Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, I'm so excited. We've got a new podcaster on our network with the show called If You Could See Me. We're going to talk to Aaron Mahone who hosts the show. Let me tell you a little bit about If You Could See Me. It's a multimedia project that looks past labels and surface judgments to see real, diverse, fascinating people living with mental health diagnoses. They are mothers, daughters, you know, they're everyone, everyone. (laughs) It it crosses all lines. But a lot of times people don't take that time to see each other. And we do make judgments. We attach labels. Sometimes those labels are really helpful in terms of a diagnosis to know what you have. And sometimes they can be really hurtful. So um, founder Aaron believes in seeing, hearing, learning, and being present with one another. So, and, and also I love this, the worst thing that a person can feel in this life is invisible. I love that you say that. Aaron, welcome to the network and welcome to my show. Thank you so much, Kristen. I'm so excited on all levels. Now, you had a show already and came to us, and we just added a terrific show already to the network, and then had the hair going back up on the back of my neck in a great way because you live like not far from me and all this great stuff. So, um, so tell our listeners, you know, why you, you know, what what's the journey with starting this show? Because not everybody wants to. Uh, you know, not everybody realizes how much work actually goes into a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That is very true. I don't, I didn't realize how much work goes into a podcast until I decided to start one myself. Um, you know, it's, it's really funny since we first talked, um, and discovered, you know, our, our similar location in the country and, you know, (laughs) all the sort of parallels, uh, that we share, you know, after, uh, after talking to you and, and, and going through this process, I just sort of was reminded and have been saying over and over again over the past few weeks, the universe is a magnificent chess player. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, I, I am a, an artist through and through, you know, 97% right brained and, um, <laughs> You know, so sometimes that in in some cases that may 
appear to an outside person as if I'm, um, you know, maybe a bit flaky or a bit flighty or kind of, you know, all over the place. But what I've realized about uh, myself and my journey on this planet and um, and about how, how to be alive, at least for me, is that the most important thing is to be present and to be um be in the moment enough to be able to say yes, even when uh, it it may not go along the the plan that you have for yourself, or it may not be one of your check boxes. And uh, you know, we can have all the plans in the world, and we can have all the the expectations of you know, I'm going to do this, and then this, and then this. But it's only when we give ourselves the gift of being truly present and being willing and open to what comes that we understand that there are things happening in the universe all around us that we're never, we're never conscious of until it's time for those things to unfold in front of us. And so, um, that is sort of, that, that's sort of the theme of my life is, um, you know, it looks like I don't know what I'm doing a lot of the time because I don't, because none of us do. None of, Um, I know. I love, this is a theme too, a universal (laughs) theme. I just had this, it's not like I didn't know it on a, intellectual level right? right but somewhere it uh, maybe it, it, it's that it hit my heart mm-hmm. that nobody knows what they're doing nobody and nobody. that was and that was not too long ago and I'm 48 which is a little sad but <laughs> no 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 <laughs> but now I'm like oh and some of those fall flat on your face embarrassing or devastating moments that happen to everyone are the stepping stone for the greatest thing ever that's going to come into your life. So, you know, you just never, you just don't know. And we don't know. We don't know. No, I, I, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, you know, when I, when I stand in front of a group of people or I say on the podcast or whatever it is, you know, one of the most powerful things that I, that I ever say to, uh, you know, anybody is it's not as if, uh, you know, half the room got the instruction manual to being alive and the other half didn't get it. Nobody knows what the hell they're doing. And (laughs) (laughs) we think that somehow we've been left out of the, the, the information we've been, we've been left off the email and we are supposed to know something that we don't know. But in fact, you know, no one knows. And so we just show up every day with the skills and the tools that we have and the, the greatest sort of gift that I've, that I've been able to discover through my life and my education and, uh, and learning to, to give myself self-compassion is just that, you know, I'm not supposed to know everything and it's okay not to know. And when you let go of those shoulds and supposed tos and have tos, and, you know, you're just able to kind of take a deep breath and say, learning what I need to know is the point. Right. Um, then, being oh my okay, gosh. Being okay realizing that every day is a walk into the abyss. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I, uh, I grew up as a really, a really, really anxious kid and, uh, you know, have struggled with anxiety and, and depre- depression my entire life. Mm. And, uh, you know, 
had this sort of very deep seated sense of fear and shame and guilt and, uh, you know, had this, this very unrealistic expectation my entire life that somehow I was supposed to know everything and ed- ever admitting that things were difficult or challenging would mean that I was failing on every level. So right. I pretended and, um, and made myself, isolated myself in the process. And it wasn't until, you know, just in the last five years or so that I started coming out of the shadows myself. You know, I had been an advocate for years. I had been uh, someone who helped other people. (laughs) But it wasn't until I started saying what was true for myself that I realized how um, you know, that I wasn't alone and that people needed to hear these things and that people need to feel heard and seen. And I had been a singer and a storyteller and a performing artist my entire life. And I, I thought I had to either be that person in a specific way, or I had to abandon it. And right. One day I just decided, you know what, I I'm an adult and I can do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's so true. Absolutely. You can. And it's these little, like obvious little things where you wake up and you go, wait a minute. I, I, I I'm here. I'm over 18. Nobody can tell me what to do. <laughs> anymore. And, you know, I'm way over 18. So, you know, what am I waiting for? And so I, you know, a little bit at a time, I just started sort of laying the foundation of what is now the If You Could See Me project and, you know, a number of of other things that, that kind of go along with this that says, you know, you don't have to live in fear and shame. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to pretend like you know what the hell you're doing. It's okay to say, life is hard and I am just showing up and today this is what I've got. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Talk a little bit about your family history. Sure. Sure. Um, so I, my, I was raised, uh, sort of collectively by my, my parents who were divorced when I was very young and, um, and my grandparents, my paternal grandparents. And my, uh, my grandfather was diagnosed with schizophrenia in the early 1950s, shortly after, uh, he and my grandmother were married. And so, uh, you know, she was encouraged to institutionalize him by everyone in her life, his family, her family, because it was the fifties. And that's, you know, that's just what she did. Um, and she refused and they, you know, what I always say is they spent 47 years taking care of each other. Right. Um, you know, she made it possible for him to live independently in the community. Um, and they had children and they had grandchildren and I wouldn't be here had she not made that decision. And, uh, I don't say that lightly, you know, that is, that is a, an enormous decision that was made, not just because it means that I got to be alive, but because, uh, because a lot of people got to be alive and it was, it impacted every aspect of their lives together, you know, for that entire 47 years. And, right. uh, she had to show up every day to their life and continue making that decision. And it was very difficult. And as, 
you know, as brave and courageous and wonderful as they were, they, it was very hard. He struggled enormously. He was in and out of hospitals for months at a time. He underwent, you know, the worst possible parts of our, you know, more traditional mental health care system back, you know, at that time. Yeah. Yeah. A long time ago. And my, my father and his siblings grew up without their dad in the home a lot of times. And they grew up with a mom who was doing the very best she possibly could. She was 19 years old when they got married. She had four children before the age of 30. And, uh, you know, she, she made it work. She was, she was amazing. But the thing is, is that through all of that, through all of that struggle, they, they also taught these enormous lessons of, uh, you know, yes, perseverance, yes, showing up, yes, all of those things, but also humor and acceptance and love in, uh, in an unconditional, messy, dysfunctional way, but, but unconditional. And they taught me how to tell a story. They were people who were, you know, first generation Jewish Americans, their parents had come to the country through Ellis Island from mm. Ukraine. They were of their people. They were of their time. They were deeply proud of their, their Jewishness and their, their history. And they told us stories and they, and they, they instilled in, in us this understanding that no matter who you are or where you come from or what you struggle with, you have a right to your dignity. You have a right to, to live a life in the world. And that, and they didn't say that they just did it. And, you know, I learned that my grandfather was weird sometimes and he (laughs) said strange things and he, you know, acted in an odd way. And we didn't have the relationship that maybe I would have, you know, imagined we could have, but he played with us and he sang songs to us and he, told us stories about growing up in Philadelphia and he was the only adult often that would play with the children and play games and and he took us to the grocery store and he bought us gifts and he he was he paid attention he was so much a part of our life that yeah. you know it's it's and it's unimaginable to think that you know he would not have been there and um And they are truly the foundation of all the work that I do, you know, sitting in their table as a, as a super anxious child who also loved to perform and loved to sing and, and dance and tell stories and do all of those things that I love to do. They were my safe place. They were the place where I felt okay. And I felt like I was the right person. Um, even though in every other aspect of my life, I felt like I was the wrong person at the wrong time. Yeah. So the work that I do is honestly, you know, they are both no longer here. And, um, I realized throughout my life, my adult life that not every, most people don't have that kind of relationship with anybody in their lives. And, I wanted to pay it forward by providing that kind of um, unconditional nurturing safe space around a table, around a, a room, you know, whatever it is to allow people to, to 
find comfort within their own stories Mm. and And make peace with who they are and where they've come from. And you've done that with, I mean, you've written a book, if you could see me and I love this life, motherhood and the pursuit of sanity. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. There's a great, um, and you've done some TEDx talks, and I also have seen some pictures of you out, you know, talking, it looks like in classrooms. So talk a little (laughs) bit about, you know, when you go out and you do these things in the community, plus we're going to be going to one of your events, um, Melanie Van and I, um, in January. So what, tell our listeners a little bit about what those are. Sure. Um, Sort of, you know, building on, a few years ago, I wrote a, uh, a one woman show called It Runs in the Family. And it was, you know, uh, songs and stories of my life and my family, which ended up becoming the book, if you could see me, Life, Motherhood and the Pursuit of Sanity. Uh, and uh, with a few, uh, you know, stories added in. But um, that was sort of the, the beginning. And what I what I realized uh you know, on this road is that one, when I started getting up and telling these stories through the show, uh, it was, it became very apparent to me that what I thought was an endeavor that I was taking on to sort of help me make sense of the world was, it turned out that it was something that people needed to hear too. And people needed to hear that they were that they were okay, and that wherever you come from is is okay, and that whatever you struggle with is okay. Um, And that was sort of eye opening to me uh, in in that regard. And what happened was uh, life is busy, and I have three children, and I do all of these things, and I work, (laughs) and I, you know, and I couldn't produce my show all by myself as often as I wanted. So I said, you know, what can I do to continue getting this message out, but that, um, you know, kind of welcomes other people into the mix. And so from that, I started these little coffee house, if you could see me, you know, shows where I would host and sing a couple of songs and tell some stories and invite and create a theme for the night and then invite other folks up to tell their stories. And sometimes it was, it was other performer, you know, actual people who perform, um, but generally are actors and who don't tell their own stories, but tell other people's stories. And so this time it was, you know, inviting them up to share a personal story. Wow. Um, and then also providing opportunities for people who don't ever stand up in front of a room full of strangers and tell a story. And uh, to me, that was the most powerful thing is just to create that space where a person's voice can be heard, maybe possibly for the first time uh, and start that, you know, them on the journey of, of, you know, wherever that takes them. Um, right. I love this quote that you have on your site. It's not my job to stay quiet so that you can stay comfortable. That's like the theme, the theme of my life. (laughs) So that is the mantra. Um, I feel like for, you know, my whole life, I spent um, most of my time trying to make everyone else feel okay. Right. And trying to, trying to making, making other people's happiness, my job. And what happens when you do that is that you forget that you are a person and that you have needs and that you have stories that need to be told. And sometimes you have to say things that challenge 
how other people see themselves uh, in in your life, in the world, you know, right. challenge the, the choices that other people make. You know, Kristen, the, the fundamental goal of all of this work is that, you know, I started out in working in the mental health field, working with uh, families who have a child with a, a disability. And I worked with so many self-advocates who spent years and years and years speaking up and saying, you know, this is what we need. And this is our systems are so incredibly ineffective and broken. And what I believe to be true above all else is that the more we talk about things that we have historically hidden, right, the better we get at understanding that everyone deals with these issues. And we have to have systems that are effective. And we do. There's nothing more powerless feeling than when you when you just aren't heard. Right. And even more so, I just said there's nothing more. One level uh, <laughs> of <laughs> feeling, you know, absolutely no power is when you don't even try right. to speak up. So right. yeah, anything that supports people using their voice, even if they go unheard. Um, it's better than not saying anything at all. Exactly. Exactly. So by creating these spaces to, you know, to speak up and to tell an individual story about a thing that is so universal, we, we create this, this relationship between the audience and the story. And we say, you know, we're in this together. And I, I just can't help but feel that that is the way to change the world. That is the way to change the way that we address these issues. You know, 65 years ago, my grandfather would have been institutionalized for his entire life. Right. And now we are in a very different place. We have grown and we have matured as a country and as a culture. And we believe in, you know, in things being different than they used to be. But we still have a long way to go. And yes, we do. I, I can't help but think that the way we do that is by seeing each other in all of our beautiful humanity. So talk a little bit about your show and, you know, what what format it is, because there's so, you know, we have so many different right. shows on the network and what's um, give our listeners an idea of how yours is is built out. Sure. Uh, well, it's built on the, you know, the ideas that I was just talking about that I <laughs> I I think that we we live in this very huge world that, uh, that, you know, we have access to so many things and yet we still, we, we have our little silos and we don't, we don't often talk to people who have different experiences than we do. And we don't often find ourselves in environments where and dig down deep into the, the nitty gritty of being a human. And, um, so what I wanted to do was just have like those real conversations with people. It's conversational. It's, you know, it's interview style, me and one other person, except that it's more a conversation than it is anything else. And I ask people how they, how they get through their lives, how they mm. cope, 
how they understand the world, how they, you know, where did you come from and how did you learn your, your, your way of being and how have you found yourself in experiences where you had to learn to do things differently and how do you manage your own mental health? And sometimes those folks that I talk to have significant mental health needs and other times they have, you know, more, uh, you know, what you would call minor mental health needs, but regardless, we all have, we all have emotional wellness that we have to tend to. And I just believe that we can learn so much from one another. So it's people from all walks of life, many of whom are creative, um, because I, I am fascinated by creative people, um, but they are experts. They are uh, because we're all experts in our own lives and in our own experiences. And we all have the opportunity. We all have the opportunity to teach one another when we sit and we listen. So um, I just, you know, if I meet somebody that I think is interesting or uh, exciting or doing something that I think is different, um, I ask them if they can come and have a conversation with me and, (laughs) you know, and we do. And, and so we've had folks who've started movements and we've had, you know, former movie stars and we've had bloggers and we've had survivors of, of sex trafficking. And we've had, you know, people with, who are, who are moms and writers and actors and storytellers and, you know, everything in between, because I just think people are fascinating. I'm excited about, their lives. Yeah, I know. I, I love that piece. I've I've had people say to me, gosh, you know, how do you get guests? And I'm like, how many billions of people are there on the planet? Like <laughs> you can, I mean, you know, <laughs> I got bumped off of a, a show, a very, you know, show done by a celebrity, um, which I wasn't super that doesn't get me all excited but uh I got bumped and I was like I wonder what I got bumped for that'd be interesting to know oh it was for one of the Spice Girls (laughs) and you know they're people too (laughs) but the we you know there was no talk of mental health or it was just talk about the tour and then this and then that and I'm not judging that or putting that down it was just it was like another you know yeah okay well my show is I would never bump someone um, to have one of the Spice Girls. Exactly. 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 No, I just, you know, I, sometimes I wonder maybe I should, you know, work toward, you know, big names or, you know, but really it's just, who do I think is interesting and who do I think that I can learn from? And I, I think my audience can learn from how, you know, how excited am I to have a conversation? You know, again, we don't really have the opportunity to really sit and talk on, you know, on a deep level uh, these days. I'm, you know, I'm busy. You're busy. We're all busy. I have been told, well, I mean, I've been told for my entire life that I make people tired, which I find, uh, I consider that to be (laughs) a compliment. I've been told that too. <laughs> My brain is tired after I talk to you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. But I they also say, Aaron, you can't have like you are not built for small talk. And no. I'm not, I don't want to have a surfacey conversation about God, no. 
I'd blah, blah, blah. a needle in my eye or rip out a single nose hair at a time with some tweezers. Then right. have a so, conversation. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not great at parties. And I'm yeah. okay with that because I'm not really a big fan of parties. But you know what? Sit me down in a, you know, in a corner in a chair with a, a cup of coffee or a glass of wine. Or and, in front of a no, mic. Oh, yeah. Or in front of, right, exactly. Yep. And just like me and a couple of other people and let's go to town. Let's talk about what's real yeah. about human experience. I'm excited about that stuff. Yeah, me too. Me too. Oh, that's so funny. I, I was uh, with some friends. I, I, I don't even know if I'd call them friends, people that I recently met and they will never have me over for dinner again. I'm, <laughs> I'm fairly certain because they, so she looked exhausted um, at the end of the thing. And I was just talking, you know, they asked about my work and they, they didn't know about it. And so I was like, Oh, I interviewed this um, doctor about Munchausen syndrome by proxy. And he was talking about this case where this woman was injecting herself with her own saliva to cause septis, um, sepsis. And she came on the show and it was so amazing. And we got into the depth of this and that. And, blah, blah, blah. and they're both looking at me like, get the frick out of my kitchen. <laughs> You are, you are a kindred. You are a kindred. People ask me about my work and I'm like, let me tell you about the deficits in our mental health and disability right. long-term care system. Let me tell you about all the people that I meet every day who don't have the things that they need. And they're like, we just wanted you to say, yes, I'm fine. Have a nice day. Right. And that you like your cat. I mean, and then we're leaving, you know? Yeah, I know. It's so funny. I'm, I'm very... I'm very careful because I'm super friendly. I couldn't, right. you know, you, you and I, we can't do what we do if we weren't, you know, friendly, outgoing people that, you know, are full of curiosity and all that. But I think definitely, you know, it's, it's overwhelming for, you know, for some people. And, you know, is what's interesting too, some of my, my friends that are newer friends, yeah, they were overwhelmed in the beginning, but then, you know, I had them come on the show and they, and they had never shared anything personal about themselves. And now they're addicted to having deep conversations and, right. you know, and, and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the power of that mic. I call it the truth stick. You stick that's it in front fun. of your face, talking about something like mental health and you're going to see a rapid uptick in your, in your own growth. Yeah. But when you start doing it, that's the thing is that you realize how free you are after mm -hmm. you don't hide anymore yeah. and realize that it's perfectly acceptable to talk about your emotions and talk about the, how confusing it is to be a human being, <laughs> how different conflicting ideas we get on a daily basis about who we are supposed to be and what the world expects from us and how to be with other people. And, you know, all the, all the things, once you are free to, you give yourself permission to say those things out loud and to say, you know, that every day is not, you know, I don't have rainbows and sunshine coming out of every, yeah, I didn't fart every, a rainbow exactly. this morning. <laughs> I, you know, and it's okay. It's yeah. I was just, I just thought about this yesterday. I did this great show with this wonderful psychologist, Dr. Shannon South, and she's just 
a joyous person. She just radiates joy. She has no dopamine deficit. And I oh, genetically, I, what I, must that feel like? I know. <laughs> I, and I love it. I love, of course, I love being around her. I, my dopamine gets pumped up, you know, just being around her. I do have that. So the dopamine deficit. So um, we're talking. And then later I was kind of feeling a little, sad and well, not even a little sad. I was feeling very sad about some stuff going on in my family and it's the holidays and all that. And, and with certain pieces of my family, it's all, everything's the, the way that they present to the world is that everything is just fine. It's perfect. Life is perfect. And that's part of why I don't, I can't be around them because I can't pretend I, I just can't do it anymore. And, um, you know, meanwhile, of course, it's horrible what's going on behind the scenes. But for the holiday season in front of everybody else, a big show is going to be put on. And I just can't do that dance anymore. It's not that's not part of my life. So I was sitting and I was thinking, gosh, you know, I'm I feel bad. But, you know, maybe there's something wrong with me because, of course, again, they seem perfectly fine. And my ex-husband, who's very wise, said, Chris, you're the one who's normal here. Mm hmm. Of course you feel sad. People who actually feel and are in touch with themselves and are self-aware and that work on themselves and acknowledge their faults and also learn how to praise themselves for the things they do good, that's real. You are the normal one for feeling this way. They're not normal because they don't. They won't allow themselves to be real. And I, I thought not putting them down in any way, but I thought, Oh God, thank God I've known this man for 32 years and he knows right. me so well, but thank God that it, we could, you know, sometimes I say that story just to reiterate that we have to change those shifts where when we're having a mental health struggle, which could be schizophrenia and mm -hmm. it could be, Oh, I'm anxiety and I'm sad today. It, it's right. such a huge spectrum, but it's those of us that say what's really going on and how we really feel. We're the quote unquote normal ones. It's right. not the happy, shiny, la, 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 that's out there. <laughs> that's not real. It's just not real. And it's not realistic that we should ever have that expectation. And, and, and I am working, you know, around the clock to sort of try and shatter that that expectation and to you know create the space where just as you are where where it is it people are are, are beginning to give themselves permission yeah to be sad and to be yeah. in conflict with you know what is true about you know being being on the planet you know one of the things though that you just said that really resonated with me and as a you know my mother also has bipolar disorder um and, you know, so I have kind of grown up in this sea of uh, mental down, health down, yeah. issues, you know, yep. on, on every side. And, um, you know, one of the things that I that I struggle with a lot in, you know, in my role in my family, especially as the child of a parent with a significant mental health diagnosis is that questioning, maybe there's, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the one that's, that, that is wrong here, or maybe oh. I'm the one who doesn't understand. And maybe if I were better 
or yes. nicer oh or happier or more compassionate or more Did you leap into my brain and like right <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, I think though that that is a universal you know I think that we talk a lot about gaslighting mm-hmm. nowadays but with a parent at least in my experience with a parent with a significant mental health diagnosis the the issue there is not I don't necessarily feel like my mother is intentionally uh, trying to manipulate me or gaslight me or, you know, any of those things. I, I think she's, she's someone who's genuinely struggling and seeking whatever she can find in the world to make sense of things and to make her feel better. And so what my role became for a long time was to be that person for her, to try mm-hmm. and make sense of things, to try and, and I, I never could. And yep. so then it would be frustrating for me and then we would fight. And then it was, it was this sort of vicious cycle, but I, I put myself in that place of, you know, it's my fault. She's like this. If I were better, she would be happier. Yeah. And totally get that. It's hard to, you know, to have that relationship with a person who is not in, not a bad person. She's not bad. She's sick. And when we are struggling with our place in the world and there's not this black and white, um, you know, I am blaming you because you are being abusive to me or bad or, you know, it's, you, you can't do that in this instance. And so, you have to try and genuinely make sense of everything and make what sometimes feels like excuses for people. And how do you set those boundaries and how do you make yourself a healthy person? And so what you're talking about is a lifelong uh, sort of struggle when you deal with a family mental mental illness, especially if it's your parent. How Absolutely. do you how do you learn how to navigate that um, and still recognize the humanity in the other person. Um, Right. And sometimes, you know, they may not be bad at the core, but sometimes their behavior is, is bad and extremely abusive. And Mm -hmm. you have to wrestle with the fact that you have your scars and your trauma Mm -hmm. and all of those things from that abuse. Mm Mm-hmm while also realizing that this is someone that's struggling from a mental illness, that is such a tight rope sometimes to it walk. Is. It really it is. And also totally the, is. oh my God, you know, what is, what is this genetic? Is, right. is this going to happen to me? Uh, has it happened and I don't realize it? I mean, just mm. lots of, lots of stuff like that. Lots of on, that so. sort of questioning and self, you know, that, that, you know, being very self-aware, at least for me, it has, you know, my, I've spent my entire life being very aware of myself and my, my actions and my thoughts and my behaviors and, and questioning all of it and sort of overthinking. And, you know, you said it exactly perfectly. It is such a tightrope to walk, to be able to have those relationships and have them be healthy for us. Um, and not constantly be in conflict. I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't always, I mean, I don't ever, I don't think that that's something I'll ever fully figure out or, right. or learn how to manage. Um, but it is definitely 
real. I, I, I had a, a, a therapist a few years ago who, um, who said to me, you know, she, she asked me about my childhood as therapists do. And I talked about, you know, my, my relationships with my parents and, you know, some of the choices that they made. And, and I said, you know, but they, this, and they, that and mom's got bipolar and dad's, you know, father was schizophrenic and this and that and the other thing. And, and she just looked at me and she said, you know, I think it's wonderful that you're so compassionate of your parents and their experiences, but it doesn't change the fact that you are an individual person and you were hurt in the process of their learning how to be people and, and becoming, and you're allowed to feel those emotions. Yeah, that was a big one for me, actually, this year, allowing myself to be really, really angry. Right. Because if you don't let that out, it's reality. If you don't let that out, you're going to stuff it like I have with food, with toxic relationships, with all kinds of things. So, yeah, I gave myself permission. My, My therapist actually said to me, so when did you wake up about your mom? And I was like, oh, that's what it was. It was a waking up. Mm-hmm. And really been, you know, working with her on on being angry for the first time about, about exactly what's going on. Not what was thrown to sort of throw me off the trail or my own denial. Because looking at the truth is really, really hard, especially mm-hmm. when it's apparent. But um, I think people don't, we have such a thing about, oh, it's your parents and you should always honor and love them. No, no, no. Well, yeah, you can do all of that. And you can also allow yourself to have a period of time where you are just really angry and upset and get it all as much as you can out so that then you can go, okay, how do we navigate this relationship where I'm living in the truth now? Mm-hmm. They're not gonna. And right. that's their choice, but I'm going to and, and and navigate it from here and see what happens. And, you know, that takes some serious, I know we always look at balls as if they're about strength, but the only word I can come up with is cojones. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear that. I mean, it's, you're, you're absolutely right. You have to, you know, I feel like I was angry my entire life. I was, I was always angry and I always felt like it was my job to fix everything. And, Mm. and I was pissed that that was my job and I was, you know, mad at everybody. And I, and my, you know, I had this very sort of enmeshed contentious relationship with my mother, but also very like dependent and codependent and, you know, just all wrapped up. That's a whole other show. Enmeshment and codependency. Codependency. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And, uh, but, but at some point I, I just realized, oh, I actually can't fix this. Yeah. Oh, this is not my job. Oh, I could, you know, literally pour my entire existence into the endless, uh, abyss of need that is. Oh, yeah. And it wouldn't be enough. It's, yeah, it's never going to be enough for her, for sure. Right, so right. You need to get, finally get mom's approval. That ain't going to happen. And completely lose yeah. myself. Yep. yep. And I can't do that. Yeah. 
big so, lessons to learn. Yeah. Ooh. Woo, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's your mom, your dad. I mean, these are, you know, your primary people that influence your life. I had the same experience with my grandmother that sounds like you had with your grandfather. Just she had a lot of issues. I don't quite know what they all were, but man, did she pay attention to me as a kid. And oh, God, I will treasure that. It actually helped me be a better mother to my son. Um, the time that she spent with me was right. amazing. Oh, I mean, my grandmother was, you know, the the rock of my life, of my family. She was the safe space. She she died two months before my first child was born, and I uh, I I don't I don't really know what the, the the universe was trying to to tell me from that little unfortunate you know situation, but I. I think about her every single day and I wonder what she would do in situations. And, mm. and you know, it's just, it's, it, it is such a gift to have someone in your life, like who can make you feel safe and, and make you understand what's really important. Um, and, and, and to see you as a kid. Yes. To see you. That's huge. That is a huge thing to have someone. It, it, it can be a teacher. It can be another parent, a parent of one of your friends. It can mm -hmm. be your parents. It could be your grandparents, but somebody in your life that sees you and wants to spend time with you. That is huge. Yep. And that is that, I mean, honestly, you, you just hit the nail on the head. That is the, that is the gift that I feel like I was given. And that is the gift that I, feel That's so compelled yeah just, oh I love it yeah. perfect wrap up well tell because <laughs> that is that is exactly what you're doing you are pat you are paying it forward you know that is amazing so tell our listeners now you know everybody you can go to mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com or mhnrnetwork.com and look at all the shows Aaron's show is If You Could See Me. It's fantastic. Mm. And it's right there on the list. You can find it on iTunes. But Aaron, tell our listeners where they can find you on your website. Sure. It's uh, ifyoucouldseeme.com. And uh, the website is a, you know, full service operation. We have, uh, you know, there's a blog. There's the opportunity for folks to share their own stories. You know, click on share your story. Uh, and join the movement. You can you can write about your mental health experience. You can you know just share who you are, uh, and we will put that up on our blog. We have uh, active social media presence on Instagram at Aaron L Mahone. The Facebook page is at I Y C S M. That's if you could see me, uh, and uh, we're on Twitter at, at El Mahone. The whole idea of this is that we're better together and right. uh, I want to build a community in which people feel seen and heard and that there's lots of different entry points. I recognize that 
you know, uh, it's there are differing level levels of comfort for folks to, uh, you know, enter into this type of conversation and this type of sort of challenging of our of our status quo of the things we talk about and the way we talk about mental health. And so I want people to have as many different access points as possible. So that's what the the podcast is for and the live events. And if you are so inclined and you want to be one of our storytellers at a at a uh, if you could see me project event, please get touch. You can do all of that stuff through the website. And uh, I welcome you to join the movement. And we'll be there. Melanie Van, our program director, and I will be at your event in January. Tell our listeners where that's going to be and the date. Uh, January 11th, 7 p.m. in Richmond, Virginia at the uh, theater gym space at the Virginia Rep uh, Center, downtown Richmond, 114 West Broad Street. All the information is on our website. And uh, I am so excited to introduce these amazing ladies, these storytellers. We are, if you could see me, the women speak. This is the second time this year where we have a group of just the most incredible women telling their mental health stories. And uh, I just, I could not be more proud and excited. So awesome. Well, I'm so glad you're a part of our network family and I'm so, it's so awesome that you live close to us because Melanie and I are like, oh my God, another person that we can go talk to. Yay. (laughs) So excited. I am so honored. Thank you so much for what you have done for creating this wonderful space and for inviting me to join your family. Absolutely. And listeners, thank you, because if you didn't tune in and get past listening to my uh, often irritating, but maybe a little charming ass every time I do a show, which is a lot, uh, this whole network wouldn't even exist. So thank you, especially. And thank you for tuning in to another edition of Mental Health News Radio. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. But never without good intentions I heat up and act on my emotions Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised,